Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yeah. Yehuda Green. J.M. the A.M. 20 minutes after 6 a.m. On this Thursday morning, 11th of October, the second day in the month of Mar Cheshvan. Good morning, everybody. 20 minutes after the hour. Hope your Rosh Chodesh was wonderful. Thanks for spending it with us over the last few days uh, from Jerusalem. Yehuda Green at Shema Kolenu, Kulanu Nizamer was Chaim David Burson. You heard some Kaliner in there with Lachaim and, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up, as you would suspect. 72 degrees outside. We expect thunderstorms today and a high temperature of 78. Then tonight, thunderstorms early with a low of 60. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high, 65 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 74. We're at 72 here in New York. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, um, it, it was it was an amazing journey. It was an amazing journey. I thank, uh, I thank Barry Lieben and the Lieben family. Uh, as many of you know, they were our hosts in Jerusalem. I, I don't remember a family, and they, of course, have been such amazing supporters of ours for God knows how long. Uh, I don't remember a family ever saying to us, hey, guys, let's go to Israel. Let's do some broadcasts. Let's meet some interesting people. Let's talk about interesting information. And we had a chance over the last three days to do stuff we never could have done in the studio. Uh, yesterday, we sat with three friends of Ari Fold right there live in person. Couldn't have done that here. We had a chance to speak to... Um, Ellie Groner from the Prime Minister's office for 37 months and ask him a whole bunch of trivial questions that fascinated me. This was just yesterday. I hope you had a chance to listen. And it was just, and many others. I mean, Lenny Ben David was great. Oh, I think the book is here. I think Lenny's book. Why do I think it's right here? I thought Lenny's book was right next to me here in the studio. It must be in the other room. His book's amazing. The Photographs Book of uh, Israel, the Land of Israel, from the mid-1800s until... Uh, until the 20th century, really amazing stuff. Anyway, so that, and that was just yesterday. And, of course, to the Lieben family and to Steve Liebowitz, who did such a great job for us. He's always been a friend. Now he's really a close friend. Uh, did such a great job producing the shows, coming up with great ideas of people to speak to. It was just wonderful. And to have Bobby Brown there for two out of the three days was, for me, a big thrill. His name, since I'm a kid, his name has been thrown around in the leadership role in the government of Israel. So having him there... It was just great. So much great stuff. And the Lieben family, uh, Cindy, Barry, uh, their wonderful daughters who were there. Um, the um, Oh, their son-in-law, Matt, was there. What a great guy. What a great guy. Salt-of-the-earth type guy. Um, and, of course, their grandchildren. It was, just, it, was, it was just, well, some of you heard Cole on the air. Yeah, you heard him <laughs> when he spoke up. Um, it was just wonderful. And the Inbal Hotel... Completely, uh, just completely, um, you know, gave us what we needed, including, uh, well, the Lieben family actually gave it to us, but uh, uh, but the Inbal was um, was quite helpful on the porch, the Mirpeset, the patio of the presidential suite overlooking the old city. It was such a beautiful venue, and of course, the Inbal gave us great accommodations. They're always our headquarters in Jerusalem, and boy, again, they made us feel right at home. There was a time when our headquarters in Jerusalem kept switching like in the first 15 years or so of JM and the AM, and, and, and now the Inbal has just been, over the last few years, has just been remarkable for us. We feel entrenched there when we're in Israel. 
Anyway, so it was just great. It was just wonderful, and I thank everybody who was a part of it. My team was great, the NSN team, and of course, I, I, I'm hope not leaving anybody out from everybody who helped us in Israel. Shira, Shira was amazing, and um, I'm giving a special shout out to Awilda, who made sure we had the seats we needed on the way back on the plane. Um, <coughs> yeah, I did come back with a bad cough. And with two really stuffed ears, which makes it hard to do a radio show. But we'll, we'll persevere. We'll get through a great Thursday here at JMNAM. Full Thursday, by the way, right after JMNAM concludes. We have Charlie Harari with Unlocking Greatness. At 10 a.m., it's Drew in the City Speaks. Allison Josephs, of course. Miriam Al-Wallach did a, a phenomenal... Now, I didn't hear it, but I'm saying it's phenomenal based on what I heard from people who did hear it. Did a great show with Tamir Goodman yesterday. You'll hear it at 10.30 on That's Life. That was, again, overlooking the uh, old city of Jerusalem. So um, uh, you'll hear that coming up here at, uh, at the Nahum Siegel Network. And at 11 a.m., a live lunch, uh, a live lunch which was pretty chilled out, frankly. We recorded it earlier in the week before we even knew that the Yankees were eliminated. Uh, we recorded it earlier in the week. Um, and, uh, you know, just a few thoughts as we sat there on the uh, porch of the presidential suite at the Inbal, a, a, a privilege. I know not everybody gets a chance to do things like that. We feel privileged that we get a chance to do these things. So you'll hear that during our Thursday live lunch today, 11 until 1, and, of course, a full Thursday schedule. And then tomorrow, Malcolm Holmline will join us, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us tomorrow, and there's a lot to talk about. Tomorrow I will have an opportunity to speak to him about Nikki Haley. I'll also ask him about the... Uh, Jerusalem, quote-unquote, discovery. Those of you who um, who follow the news closely know exactly what I mean. And uh, we'll have a whole, uh, we'll have an opportunity to discuss a whole bunch of stuff going on in this amazing world of ours. Thursday morning broadcast at 25 minutes after 6 a.m. You are listening live from our New York City studios to JM in the AM.
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לרחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר וניצח. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. השנאה תיפול, הקנאה תחתור, יגידו אז בקור. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח
מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק, אימפיריות כה גדולות. כמעט שנעלמו, ואנחנו עוד כאן. כך אלפי שנים, מעטים מורבים, ואין ספר של ניסים. עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן. אנחנו עוד כאן. עוד דרך אהבה דואג ואוהב, זה עושה טוב הלב. עוד דרך אהבה מושלם, נאמן כל הזמן. עוד דרך אהבה דואג ואוהב, זה עושה טוב הלב. עוד דרך אהבה מושלם, נאמן כל הזמן.
It's brand new from Ohad. It was great seeing Ohad in Israel, so I'm in the early part of the week. Doing amazing and out with a brand new album entitled Bishat Tova. That's Levado here at JM in the AM. Amra Madard, Mima Makim, Yishtabach, and Musica done by Yaakov Shweki. Shlaimi Gertner had that Shabbos selection of the Serenity album. You had Simcha Liner in there with Navor. Miami had Yivarechacha. Simcha Liner's Neshama opened up that set. Thursday morning broadcast. We are live in the studios of the Nahum Single Network in New York City. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. It's a Thursday on this October the 11th, the second of Marcheshvan Fund thunderstorms in New York with a high of 78. We're at 74 in Yerushalayim, 72 here in New York City. It was amazing being in Yerushalayim for the last three days. I hope you had a chance to catch our Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday shows from Jerusalem. A lot of great guests, a lot of interesting stuff. I really hope you had an opportunity to be part of it uh, by tuning in and by enjoying uh, JM in the AM. And and there's some great programming coming your way today that was actually recorded in Israel. Our live lunch today, our impressions of Jerusalem 2018, uh, that'll be between 11 and 1 o'clock. Miriam L. Wallach with That's Life, she introduced and uh, interviewed, uh, she introduced to the audience and interviewed um, uh, in Yerushalayim, Tamir Goodman, Tamir Goodman, the basketball superstar. That'll be at 10.30 this morning. So a lot of the programming that we're doing has uh, been recorded in Jerusalem this week. Naomi Nachman tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time. If you're at all into kosher food, if you're at all a foodie in the Jewish community, if you're at all a fan of Naomi Nachman, you must tune in tomorrow. She has an all-star cast. We are talking about the top names in the world of of kosher food and kosher food blogging, an absolute all-star cast. Uh, So make sure to check that out on our app. Who's lucky enough to listen to Jam the Am at work? I am. Boker Tov Yerushalayim. That's from a listener whose uh, who's, um, username starts with Klein. Danielle says, good morning. Play more Miami. Love them so much. Devorah says, Nachum, as we say in Israel, Ain Alecha. You finished broadcasting live in Israel yesterday at 4 p.m. and opened live at 6 a.m. in New York. Great programming in Israel. Thanks. Todarabad Devorah. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Do we have Galitzal? I'm hoping we're able to, uh, let's see. That's unusual. We come back, and we're not able to uh, get Galitzal on our, in our usual manner. Does not look like we have it. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there we go. News from Israel. Here we go. Kanehud graf im mashakore achshav. Pigua de kirabe shomron. Schneptoim benonivakal punu le kabala tipul refui. Amechabel nimlat mehazira. Katavenuya ir or vieto. 
לפני זמן קצר התקבל דיווח על פיגוע דקירה בצומת מסכית שבשומרון. אדם נפצע באורח בינוני, ועוד אישה נפצעה קל ככל הנראה מירי אל עבר המחבל. במקום התקבל דיווח על הימלטות המחבל. עד כאן. הותר לפרסום. מנהרת טרור של חמאס, שחודרת 200 מטרים לשטח ישראל, אותרה הבוקר בעוטף עזה, ונוטרלה על ידי צה"ל. כתבנו הצבאי צחי דבוש. בשעות האחרונות סיכלו כוחות צה"ל מנהרת טרור נוספת, המנהרה ה-15 בשנה האחרונה, שחדרה מאזור ח'אן יונס לישראל. צה"ל אחז במנהרה בחודשים האחרונים, ואסף מידע על שיטות הפעולה של חמאס בתת-הקרקע באמצעותה. במנהרה אותרו אמצעי קשר וחשמל והיא נחשבת למנהרה מתקדמת. דובר צה"ל הודיע כי הוא אוחז במספר מנהרות נוספות באמצעותן חמאס תכנן לפגע בשטח ישראל. איננו מפסיקים לעבוד לרגע מעל ומתחת לקרקע, כתב שר הביטחון לפני זמן קצר בטוויטר. מנהרת הטרור שהשמדנו היא עוד מנהרה שלא תעמוד לחמאס במערכה הבאה. בכל יום אנחנו מתקדמים עוד צעד בדרך לחיסול נשק המנהרות, כך ליברמן. מוקדם יותר, אזעקות שווא נשמעו בעיר נתיבות ובכמה יישובים בעוטף עזה. כיפת ברזל הופעלה בשל זיהוי שגוי ושגרה טיל מיירט שהפעיל את האזעקות והתפוצץ מעל נתיבות. לא ידוע על נזק או על נפגעים. על אף התנגדות הרמטכ"ל, תת-אלוף עופר וינטר מונה לפני שעה קלה למזכיר הצבאי של שר הביטחון. בטקס בקריה בתל אביב, בהשתתפות השר ליברמן, הרמטכ"ל אייזנקוט ואלופי המטכ"ל, נכנס וינטר רשמית לתפקיד. בתום חיפושים נרחבים, אותר הגבר החשוד ברצח אשתו לשעבר, הלילה בנתניה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. הותר לפני הצהריים סמוך לאביחיל שבשרון. החשוד, יצחק שפק חשוד, כדקר אמש את אשתו עליזה למוות. התוודע על מעשיו בפני חברו, ביקש למסור לילדיו את אהבתו אליהם ונמלט. לפני שנה הוא נידון לחצי שנת מאסר על תנאי בשל אלימות כלפי אשתו. בהמשך היום הוא יובא להארכת מעצר, ועל פרטי החקירה הוטל צו איסור פרסום. בעקבות תקלה טכנית בשיגור, צמד אסטרונאוטים של סוכנות החלל האמריקנית ביצעו נחיתת חירום. כתבתנו מאיה רכלין. על החללית ששוגרה מבסיס חלל סובייטי לשעבר בקזחסטן היו האסטרונאוט האמריקני ניק האג והקוסמונאוט הרוסי אלכסיי אובצ'נין. על פי דיווחים תקלה טכנית במשגר ההאצה של החללית אילצה אותם לבצע נחיתת חירום. בתקשורת ברוסיה דווח כשניים בריאים ושלמים וכי צוותי החילוץ הגיעו למקום הנחיתה. אלה החדשות שעורכת גוני כהן. בחסות פאונדיישן וואן We've been returned to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how. While our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything, and await your warm embrace of full redemption. Thank <laughs> you. 
גם יש תקווה,
JM in the AM. The song inspired by the dream of Mr. Simon Jacob uh, to have a tefillah, have an amazing song that really sings the praises of the one above for the beautiful land of Israel and, of course, in celebration of Israel 70. That is the, um, uh, that is the incredible Yisrael Bilvavot here at JM and the AM. Thursday morning broadcast as we are back in our New York City studios because of the, um, I guess, the timetable of United Airlines. We were able to get back from Newark Airport. It had been plenty of time to start a Thursday JM in the AM. So as someone commented on our app, amazing. We're there until 4 p.m. on the air yesterday in Jerusalem. And then this morning, thank God, way before 6 o'clock on a Thursday here at JM in the AM. Well, I've been mentioning, obviously, this morning and all through the last uh, week about the Lieben family being our host. The only family I know of in the history of JM in the AM that ever said, hey, guys, Let's go to Israel together. We'll take care of everything, and we're going to meet some amazing people and speak to some incredibly intelligent people about what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world. And Barry Lieben, who many of you heard that was not able to be with us the final day of the broadcast on Wednesday, is with us live via telephone. He's been back in New York for an extra day compared to us. Barry, welcome back to JM in the AM. How are you doing, Nachman? You miss me? Uh, we miss you a lot, but I'll tell you, we came back on a tremendous high because we had some of the most historic conversations in the history of this program. We met some amazing, intelligent people, a lot of whom, as you pointed out, you know for many, many decades. And frankly, we met a lot of Jewish heroes, as you pointed out, people who've been living in Israel for 30, 40 years, many of whom changed the, uh, the face of uh, the state of Israel uh, over all these who did, decades. Who did I miss? No, I think you got them all. Oh well, uh, sadly I couldn't listen. They don't they don't cover you on the plane. I can't believe that. Can we can we speak to United Airlines about that, please? Shocking! I asked no internet, no Nachum. They say we're working on Nachum. <laughs> oh, now I know what you mean by who do I who do you miss? I thought you meant for the heroes. In terms of who you missed yesterday, I mentioned this to my listeners earlier this morning. I hope they had an opportunity. First of all, you know what happened right before Yom Kippur when Ari Fold was murdered by that seventeen-year-old. An incredible, incredible tragedy. Incredible tragedy. Three of his friends stopped by. Three really passionate, incredible friends stopped by for the first hour yesterday on your porch, and we just spoke about him and his message and what we could do to fill the gap uh, that he left. It was really a very, very inspiring conversation. That that must have been very moving. It was really unbelievable. And then Lenny Ben David stopped by. He has an incredible book about photographs from the mid 1800s to the 20th century about photographs of the land of Israel. And he, of course, has been involved in the political scene for God knows how long. So right, he, he right. gave us he gave us tremendous insight yesterday. Uh, we did get Michael Oren on. It was by telephone, but we did get him on yesterday during the show, which was cool. He has right, he has right. a, a lot of inter- right. interesting analysis. Right. Brilliant man. He is a brilliant man, no doubt. And then Ellie Groner, you know, I got uh, – Ellie, you know my Ellie. My quarterback, my quarterback. <laughs> it was funny, by the way, when he showed up, Steve says to him uh, – Steve says to us, uh, Ellie, one, one of the greatest players in the history of the league, and Ellie's like, one of? What do you mean one of? Big <laughs> uh, Blue has many great quarterbacks, and so, many of them, because of their appearance at Big Blue and their playing – went on to government work. Yeah, imagine that. Ends up being Director General of the Prime Minister's Office for 37 months because of his having, association with you. Having, having Big Blue on the resume is a sure for 
reason to go on to a top-notch position. It's funny. I didn't think BB considered the football stuff when uh, <laughs> when interviewing anybody. Interesting. I think I think it's the first thing he looks for. But I'll tell you seriously that I got to ask him questions because he was there live in person, again, because of you and Steve and everybody. I got to ask questions, which never would have happened on a, on a phone interview and, and in the comfort right. and the and the uh, you know the nonchalant nature of our conversation. A lot of trivials. I asked them, you know, things like, uh, I alluded to who writes the Prime Minister's speeches and how many people see those speeches before he actually uh, delivers them and things like that. And we spoke... I, we I, spoke do of- think, I do think when the people came up and we did have a great setup there that it does lead to a better interview. Oh, are you kidding me? That Jesse Klein Alevi conversation? I'm, I'm telling you. It, it, oh, by, oh, by oh the my, way, I- by the way, last night, I'm glad you just mentioned this. Because last night, and I think a lot of the listeners will appreciate this, I set a rule. I told our staff last night in the airport, new rule after this. If we ever do this again, if we're ever in this type of setup again, especially in Israel, no phone interviews. I don't care who it is. We'll do phone interviews the rest of the year with people. But no phone interviews. They, they, they just It's not the same. It's not the same type of interaction. No, I, I thought the Halevi Yassi interview oh, was amazing. That was amazing. I think, he might, I think he's one of the five smartest men I've ever met in my life. Mm, I guess I, I guess, it, guess I'm somewhere in one through four. I guess. Yeah, for me it was a personal <laughs> thrill having gone to camp with him together. And this, even though I followed his career, um, this is the first time I've seen him in 50 years. Amazing. That yeah, that was pretty cool. What a what a reunion, huh? It was a great reunion, and hearing him, you know, and he's gone through a lot of political spectrums in the 50 year. But hearing hearing him talk how Beitar, the effect it had on his life, was for me personally moving. Amazing. And uh, I said earlier in this show, as I was reviewing things in the 6 o'clock hour, I mean, look, Steve Leibowitz, I, I've always considered him a friend because, you know, casually, I've, because of you, I've dealt with him, you know, over these decades. But now I consider him a close friend. The guy's amazing. The guy's such a wonderful person. So He's, that, he's amazing, and he's awfully a wonderful, competent man. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look what, he's, look, look what he's put together in Israel in his life. The league that started off as, a, as really a whim and a hobby now has 2,000 people of different ages. And uh, unfortunately, you were able to make, to make the dinner for Big Blue the other night, um, but, uh, which for me was a, one of the highlights of my trip with these 50 players and the dinner to give out the rings and the, to celebrate two victories this season. But I really saw why I really realized on the spot why this is so important. I mean, these were men ages 18 to 50, right. 50, playing football in Israel. And I realized that, you know, Israelis love their life in Israel, but, and people say Israelis lead a great life, but it's a hard life. Right. They, they work, they take care of their families, some of them study, they go to Miluim. I mean, it's a hard life. And for these guys, these couple of hours a week, is really a passion. And how much they look forward to it, it's almost impossible for me to describe. And the unity they have towards each other, the unity they have towards each other is almost un- unrivaled, except maybe for what they have for their army friends. Yeah, exactly. And I saw it that night, and it, it gave me such a joy for what I could help them do. It's so little compared to what they do. Writing a check is nothing compared to the sacrifice they give every day for the Jewish people. And that's what I told them when I spoke with them. And I'll send you a picture, Nachum, um, of the, they basically closed the street in front of the guys to take a, a team picture. 
wanted you. They had no choice. <laughs> and nobody was going to hockey with them. That's for we sure. A lot of big, we had a lot of big boys. <laughs> Barry um, Lieben, Barry Lieben's with us. By the way, Steve had the line of the day yesterday. He wrapped things up with us after the Ellie Groner interview at the very end of the show. Uh, so we have, got, uh, of course, again mentioned the football league and everything. So he says, "Listen, guys, the football league started in my Talos bag. Like that. That was that was the off. That was the office of the football league at the beginning." <laughs> That's a great one, <laughs> and probably not far from true. Now. Exactly. Probably not far from true, and uh, it's really a great thing. And Steve is not only a great guy; he's a very, very, incompetent, very, very competent guy. Right. You give him a job, and look what he did for you. Hundred percent. He came yeah. through with flying and, colors. And not say if we're going to do it. The only question is how many times a year we're going to do it. Oh, all right. Are you kidding me? This is great news. <laughs> and I mentioned Bobby Brown. You know why I made such a big deal about him and kept saying it was an honor to have him there? Because from when yeah. the time I was a kid until now, every his name always came up. It always came up in something having to do with the Israeli government, new policy, a new project, an organization. I felt like his name was always in my life, you know, like like floating around, and then I got an opportunity finally to meet him in person. That's a very good description. Bobby, it's like a cold. He shows up everywhere. <laughs> So that was great, and he seemed to his goodbye to us on the wed, on Tuesday. He seemed to have had, to have had a great time as well. So that was really nice. Yeah, like Bobby, kid, he, he didn't want to leave. <laughs> Bobby, and nobody wanted. Everybody wanted to be in the suite. Everyone was having a ball. Everybody didn't know who was going to show up next. Right, it was really true. great. Only my children were totally. Didn't know what was going on. <laughs> they, just, they what, who are all these people and how did they get in my room? They couldn't figure it out, except for Cole. Exactly. Cole, Cole, Cole he Cole, seemed to have Cole, his hand on the on everything. Cole, Cole just kept saying, when do we go back on the air? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to be careful. Barry's pushing for Cole to replace me, so I got to be very very sensitive we, issue here. <laughs> we might have to encourage him to speak a little louder than a whisper. Yeah, I'll be fine. Believe you me, the kid has an amazing personality, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. He's the mayor, wherever he goes. hundred percent. Chairman of the board, I call him. Chairman of the board. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you got? Anyway, I'm glad you got back safely. Everybody got back well. And to me, it was a fabulous time. And I thank you for sharing it with me. Oh, are you kidding? It was just wonderful. Thank you. Like I said, there's only one family that ever invited us to do this, and that's the Liebman family. <laughs> Thanks, well, no, Barry. Maybe, maybe they'll pour in now. You never know. You know. We may be there on a weekly basis. Who knows? <laughs> And the in, and the Inbal did good, very good job of taking care of. Them. They certainly did. Big kudos again to the Inbal Hotel for everything. And uh, if we do show up every single week, I think the Inbal will, will will have had enough of us to say the least. <laughs> we'll be like a bad relative. Ronnie will be resigning within minutes if he He'll hears give, that. Giving up his job soon. <laughs> Barry, thank Not you. Be well. I'll speak to you soon. There you go, Barry Lieben, Everybody, he chaired our broadcasts from Israel this week. Simple as that. And we had an amazing time and spoke to some incredible people. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM. It's Aton Katz with Hodu. You heard Yehuda's Nigun done by Yehuda Green. Yoni Z in there with Manasseh. We're back in New York. New York City Studios of the Nahum Single Network with Jam in the AM. Three amazing days in Israel. Again, a big thank you to the Lieben family. 72 degrees, thunderstorms, and a high of 78. It's a Thursday at Jam in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, and here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We find an interesting phenomenon. The Talmud tells us, if a person says, I do not want to have any benefit whatsoever from the sukkah, they are still allowed to sit in the sukkah and enjoy. However, interesting, the Talmud tells us that if a person is they declare they want no benefit whatsoever from a waterway. They are not allowed to have a tefillah mitzvah, to immerse in that water even for the sake of a mitzvah during the days of the summer. However, during the winter days, they are allowed to. The reason being is because in the summer, the cooling waters will be beneficial. In the winter, the waters are difficult in freezing, and it will be hard for the person. And that's the reason that the tefillah shal mitzvah during the winter is permissible. The great Gong, Rabbi Akiva Eger, asks an interesting question. If it is usher to go into the water because one could enjoy them during the gemois hachama, during the days of the summer, so then why is it permissible when a person is declared that they will have no benefit from the sukkah, that they are allowed to go into the sukkah during the holiday of sukkahs and they can enjoy. The answer, he says, is because Hana is not part of the mitzvah of tefillah. The mitzvah to immerse is not included in the fact that a person has to have enjoyment. Those are two separate items. However, by the mitzvah of sukkah, the mitzvah of sukkah is that a person should sit in the sukkah just like they sit in their house. They have to enjoy it. It's a mitzvah that hana, or the enjoyment, is part and parcel of the mitzvah itself. That's the reason that even though the individual might possibly have made a nether, a vow to the contrary, they are allowed to sit in the sukkah during the chag of sukkos we see how important it is that an individual understands the greatness of the mitzvah of sukkah. The mitzvah of sukkah, which is inherently a mitzvah of great simcha and a mitzvah of happiness. The great Rav Nachman of Breslov, whose yard site is today, once said, it is not a mitzvah for a person to be besimcha. It is not an avera for a person to be sad. But where sadness can bring one is to the lowest steps. Where happiness can bring a person is to the highest heights. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a good moed. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why Rabbi Goldwasser thought we were still in the midst of Cholamoid. That was a uh, recording sent to us this morning. I guess a uh, little bit of a calendaric a quirk here at JM in the AM. Thank you, everybody. Go watch her for your beautiful words. Thursday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM. You know, in Israel, over the last three days, we did meet, and you have to admit this if you were able to tune in, we did meet some incredible people. 
Uh, we come back to the U.S. We meet more incredible people uh, on this radio program who are doing so much for Israel and the Jewish people. Dr. Baruch Barzell is with us. He's head of Israel's leading laboratory in network science. He leads a team who studies computer networks to forecast future calamities such as power outages and the spread of infectious diseases and prevent them from occurring. His work is absolutely brilliant. It could certainly have an impact on millions of lives, both in Israel and the U.S. Dr. Barzell is also a Torah scholar who hosts a weekly radio show in Israel. And uh, you could find out more about the laboratory of Dr. Barzell by going to barzellab.com, barzellab.com. Dr. Baruch Barzell, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for having me at this early hour in the morning. I appreciate you joining us. We just came back from Israel where we met some amazing people, and now I'm glad we're able to continue that tradition this morning. You know, is it... I mean, I never looked at power outages as a calamity that's predictable. I always think some accident or some, uh, you know, force of nature, extreme heat, thunderstorms, etc., they usually are attributed to the uh, source for a power outage. Uh, is it, in fact, something that can be researched and prevented? No, you're perfectly right. So power outages begin with what we call a random failure or a severe weather event. And let me add one other thing in 2018 a targeted cyber attack, something we haven't thought about in the past. That's true. So they begin as a random process. But then the question is, when this random failure occurs, can we actually predict how it's going to spread out and trickle down through the system? And at what time, which power station might, as a result, fail? Uh That is difficult to predict, but it's there. Somehow we should be able to predict that. So in other words, if we go back to August of 2003, do you remember August of 2003? Well, I know about it. Okay, so, uh, I, I followed the news in Israel, so but we, I understand people in New York really suffered. So we were here in the on the eastern seaboard, uh, and the reason I say that is because I happened to be in Baltimore that day, but we're here in two, August of 2003, and I believe a tree or a lightning strike, something happened in the Midwest, I think in Ohio or somewhere, or in Indiana, something like that, you would know better than me, that triggered a tremendous domino effect. 100 million people ended up without any power. Could that have been under your system? Could that extent of a tragedy been avoided? So first of all, 2003 was indeed the second largest blackout in history. And this is how unpredictable this is. It all started with a marginal failure. I believe it was a tree somewhere between Ohio and South Canada. Mm. And that trickled down to take pretty much all the Northeast out of power for a week and you just talk about hundreds of millions of people in the dark, but right. there were also fatalities, there was right. also tremendous economic loss. Not to mention that, again, in 2018, that would also cause probably a local Internet breakdown, and the consequences of that pretty much impact every single infrastructure that we have, right? Yep. From water to traffic to medical systems. So the calamity would even be greater. But I don't want people to lose sleep over this. <laughs> uh, the way we've been tackling this is, uh, in, uh, which is, is in the 21st century science, which is a little bit out of the box. Let me get a little bit more technical here, but don't worry, listeners, don't, you don't need to change your station. I'm not going to show any equations. But the idea is that for years we've been thinking about the components. How can we make more durable components? How can we make thicker wires or things like that? But over the past 20 years, we have noticed that actually it might be a property of the network, of the system itself. So can we design, instead of just predicting the next uh, failure, can we design a more resilient network for the power grid, a more resilient network for the infrastructure? Can we identify in advance, these are preemptive steps, the weak spots, the points where if they fail, 
then we're going to get something big because, you know, most failures remain very local. Right. But then every now and then there's this very unpredictable place where if that fails, you all of a sudden get, uh, I believe you use the word calamity, right? right? So these are preemptive steps. But then, you know, in my lab, we're also thinking about something which I, I've never uh, heard of before, which is saying, okay, can we forecast how this spread will actually go? You know, power outages are abrupt, but they're not sudden. It takes several hours from the initial tree or the initial cyber attack until you sit in the dark in New York. Hmm. Now, several hours is definitely not enough for crews to start chasing the cascading failure, but it is plenty of time for an algorithm to intervene in real time, maybe strategically shut down power stations at strategic time points. Right. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're working on such an algorithm, and such an algorithm can actually tackle the power grid and mitigate it as it uh, um, develops through the network. By the way, Dr. Barzell, just to, uh, just to reassure you how, uh, how incompetent I am on this issue, in the August 2003 uh, blackout, about a week before, my wife says to me, we have to make sure we have working flashlights in case there's a blackout. And I said, blackout? We live in Manhattan. It's never going to blackout. Well, I guess I was wrong. So a few days later, of course, we were all sitting in the dark. Dr. Baruch Barzell is here. here is with us, head of Israel's leading laboratory in network science. Now, does this go under, and I know there are other things as well, infectious diseases, and I want to ask you about cybersecurity in a moment, but does all this get, go to, get to Israel's credit? The reason I say it like that is uh, you know, a lot of our conversations this week in Jerusalem were with people who were lauding, rightfully so, uh, all the new inventions and innovations that are coming from Israel. Would all these that you just described go to Israel's credit? Well, let me just say, first of all, that your problem was not your incompetence in blackouts. It was the fact you didn't listen to your wife, of course. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when I say we, of course, I don't just mean myself. I mean the network science community. This is a science that pretty much was born in the beginning of the 21st century. It's a 20-year-old science. Uh, so it's not just credited for me, but let me give some important credit. Good. Because it's a rather bold science. It's a very new science. It, we talked about blackouts, but, you know, when I go to a physics department, they say, wait a second, you're doing epidemic spreading on social networks. When I go to biology department, they say, but you're looking at blackouts in infrastructure right. networks. So it requires some level of out-of-the-box thinking, tackling big problems, which Israel is very much attentive to. I always like to say, if you tell someone, I'm going to solve an impossible scientific problem, then most people in the world say, okay, you can't do that. In Israel, people start listening when you say that. Um, specifically, Bar Ilan University, my host institution, has really pursued this topic of network size head-on, so I have to thank my institution for giving me the platform uh, to do this research. And yes, I think the ecosystem and you know, the, the search for novelty in Israel is definitely an important contributor to the fact that we can look at these problems. You know, you know, there's, there's about cybersecurity for a moment. I There's a point I always try to make, and it never comes out well, but I'm going to try again right now. You know, when you ask, when, when I, the average layman, asks a military expert in this country, for instance, are we well secure? Are we, you know, are we safe? As citizens of the U.S., are we safe? And he'll say, well, we have this amount of money in the military, we have this number of personnel in the military, we have this number of tanks, and, you know, and they give you an answer, a hardcore answer, why you should feel safe being in the U.S. Is there an answer to the question of are we safe when it comes to cybersecurity? I wish I knew the answer. I, we, 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 all, we all don't know. It's a constant fight between uh, the attackers and the people who are trying to protect us. 
the the out of the box solution that we're offering is that most treatment of cybersecurity today is looking at the protocols, uh, you know, uh, guarding or protecting specific components. We say, listen, I will never compete. I'm a physicist and a mathematician. I will never compete with a computer science in understanding computers. I'll never compete with an engineer in understanding power grid components or with a biologist in understanding genes. But we look at it from a systemic view. Can we design a network which is more resilient, a network in which a cyber attack remains local and doesn't propagate to make a a large collapse, or can we design, or can we, or can we, you know, we cannot protect every single component of our network. So can we prioritize in a smart way by detecting in the network, not in the computer business or in the genes or in the uh, human individuals, but in the network structure, can we identify weak points, Achilles heels, and say, okay, you need to prioritize. This needs protection. Those are not so crucial. Understood. All right, Dr. Baruch Barzell is with us. One more. Let's do the infectious diseases. What is it that that you and your lab can do to either stem the tide or make people aware of what's happening with infectious disease and obviously in turn reduce the risk that the average person will have to those diseases? Right. So, uh, you know, uh, I I seem to be only talking about disaster, but let me say (laughs) things that are actually hopeful. So, you know, the doomsday scenario in cyber is this large collapse. We're so good. We're we're, we're so good at the doomsday scenario, though. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So the doomsday scenario in diseases is what happens if the next Zika or the next Ebola turns global. And, you know, I have to say, we got lucky in the last epidemics, but it's not exactly lucky because, for instance, if you live in Africa, Ebola was a disaster. But at least it didn't spread out globally. So we know today that diseases spread out globally through the air transportation network. So again, it's a network phenomena. And so the intuition says if the disease spreads out globally, why not just stop all air travel? But I let the listeners imagine what will happen if for a month or for two months we stop air travel. How many economies will collapse? How many uh, wars will erupt? How many people will die of famine because of this? So we cannot do that. This is an intervention that we cannot afford. But if we understand the network and we understand which are the main pathways of the network, I call this a network GPS. If we know how to navigate, because, you know, viruses, they navigate the networks like cars navigate the road. It's not the same phenomena, but it's a, it's a good metaphor to have in our head. So, you know, when we talk about roads, not every road has the same impact on traffic. And it's the same thing with the air travel network. So imagine that we can design by understanding the contribution of every network component, uh, a much more subtle intervention, like only reduce air travel by 10% and reduce the fatalities by 90%. We can only do that if our interventions are smart, we prioritize them correctly. And this requires us to understand the network and understand how every component of the network specifically contributes to the spread of the epidemic. So let me say something hopeful. I believe that in four or five years from now, you know, just like today, we take it for granted that there is a weather forecast at the end of the news. That was science fiction 100 years ago. I believe that in four or five, maybe 10 years from now, there will be a similar forecast for the flu in New York and in New Jersey and at that level of resolution because we will be able to foresee 
spread of an epidemic, we're almost there practically today. And better yet, if we can predict the spread of epidemic, we can also influence it, mitigate it, find the minimal interventions that have the maximal impact. Phenomenal. I, I admire when people in your field can make people like myself understand what you're talking about. Just fantastic. <laughs> Dr. Baruch Barzel, the, uh, he's the man at the forefront of this monumental task for Israel. It's called Network Science. He's a top researcher, physicist, applied mathematician, and network specialist at Bar Ilan University in Ramad Gan. Please send our very best to the uh, wonderful people at Bar Ilan. They're doing incredible work in so many different departments. And I thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Nachum. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Baruch Barzel, Thursday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
There he is, Yaakov Shweki, JM in the AM. Before that, you heard Michal Brzezinski, Mitzvah Haba. Acharon was done by Lipa, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. <coughs> Excuse me. Around the world on the web and alchemistical.com. 
on the Nahum Siegel Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Great to be back after the amazing journey to Israel. Thanks again to the Lieben family. Wonderful guests over the last few days from Jerusalem. Yeah, made it back this morning before 6 a.m. What do you think of that? Pretty good in our New York City studios. And David Cutler, who, of course, leads all the NCSY summer programs, is with us live via telephone. Everybody out there, you know the website. It's summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. One of the most fun segments of the year for us is our time with the summer programs with NCSY. I can only imagine how fun it is for the 14, 15, 16-year-olds each and every summer. David Cutler, welcome back to JM in the AM. You there? Oh, what did I do wrong? David, are you there? All right. See if we can get him on and talk a little bit about the uh, NCSY summer programs. Hmm. This is when I start to think what went wrong. This is when I start to think why did we have trouble connecting. All right. Hopefully he'll join us coming up next here at JM and the AM. Just keep it here for that and much, much more as we continue. David Cutler, are you there? I'm here now. Do you hear me? Now we hear you loud oh, and clear. Oh, my gosh. Woo! I got worried for a moment. I was there. I don't know. I heard you. You didn't hear me. What's doing? You know, we get back. We don't know what gremlins have come in and taken care of the uh, the studio for us yeah. in our absence. Anyway, uh, the website is summer.ncsy.org, and I have a big announcement. For the first time ever, tell me if I'm right or wrong, for the first time ever, there will be 20 NCSY summer programs. That is correct, and we are officially open for business, which... Uh, it's a little hard to believe, but we are open for business for summer 2019. Now, when, when did this become official? We opened uh, on Monday, two days ago. We opened on Monday, and uh, things are rocking and rolling. Can right? you give us some indication of uh, of the demand for your summer programs based on the last three days? Uh, it's really amazing. Thank God. I, I'm ashamed to admit that I love uh, every time I hear a buzz on my phone <laughs> and there's an application that comes in, I'm just kind of sitting there watching. It's like my favorite time of year, actually. Cause I, we, you, know, you, you never know from one year to the next what's going to be. So when the applications start coming in, it's actually very exciting. But it's uh, Baruch Hashem, our, our bread and butter programs, our kolal and machala programs are already off to, a, to an incredible start. And uh, thank God the demand is great. The, the, the first couple of days of registration has been awesome. One of, the thing, one of the challenges that you have now with those flagship programs is that people want to come for more than a year or two. They, they want to stay even longer. Correct. And that, and that obviously you know, uh, squeezes the number of spots you have for other people who are newbies out there. It really does. It squeezes everything, both from in terms of uh, you know, in terms of our space and in terms of our resources. And uh, it's it's a good problem to have. We're, we're literally, you know, working on solutions in, in Israel to uh, to we've done construction on some of the some of the places that we are over the summer. We've mamish done construction and redone uh, redone the base medrash in uh, in our Yerushalayim for our kolel program and added onto the housing in Rashi Yerushalayim for our, for the Mechalala program. So it's a uh, it's a good problem to have, thank God. All right, David Cutler's with us. It's open. It's officially open. If you want to be part of an NCSY summer program, you, your parents, everybody's got to hop to it because these uh, programs do close out relatively early. I know it's only October, but you got to get to the website, summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. If you email summer at ncsy.org, summer at ncsy.org, number one, you can get as much information as you need about any of the programs. Plus, they have an Alchem Siegel Network discount code, that will be sent special for today's listeners. So, again, if you take down that email address, summer at ncsy.org, there's actually a discount code you'll get in return, and those are very valuable. Obviously, uh, uh, you get an opportunity to save some money. Uh, again, just email summer at ncsy.org. Which program ended up being number 20? 
So we added a program this summer called Give East. And for those who are familiar with our, our, our brand, we already have a Give Israel, and we expanded a couple of years ago to a Give West, which right. is a Chesed program uh, in the States. So we added this year a program. We expanded our horizons to girls in, uh, in the seventh and eighth grade. Uh, we added a program called Give East for uh, obviously here on the East Coast. Right. And uh, want something a little bit different. You know, camps are wonderful, and they should all live and be traveling and uh, together as a group for uh, for about a month here in the states. It's a very special experience, and it's an introduction to Chesed to the idea of volunteering. You know, for a younger age, and really uh, not only volunteering, but making an impact for our community because people around the country look and see who it is, and they see literally kids from our community. Yeah, they really do. It's re- it's really it's giving back, and, and and it's really it's an important it's an important message to send to our kids from a younger age that uh, that we need to give back, and uh, you know both in the Jewish community and not Jewish community, we have uh, you know we go all over the states and we give back in all in all sorts of ways, whether it's volunteering at an orphanage or helping different ways that we help give back. So this program is for younger girls, and it'll be more right. of like an introduction of how to volunteer, why we volunteer, learning all about the idea of Chesed and Tikkun Olam, but also the same idea. You know, ha- having you know, having your own fun and going to uh, amusement parks and the Coca-Cola factory and, and so on and so forth. All right, so it would be accurate to say that this program, Give East, is tailor-made for girls in the seventh and eighth grade. No, oh, absolutely, All right. absolutely. All right, so it'll check be a that. Lot different than a program for you know tenth, eleventh grade. All right, check that out. Last summer, remember the NCSY programs, uh, the summer programs broke sixteen hundred. They expect to break seventeen hundred this year. Please God, believe I and Haro, you added last summer. That Sulla Rescue program, which frankly, between me and you and I said this at Young why shocked me how popular it was. I mean, incredible, incredible work by both your staff and the campers on that one. It really was. And, and that program actually, I mean, the coolest story for that summer, if you remember, we were talking at Young why is that one of our kids actually saved someone's life Correct. on an the ambulance. They were on an ambulance riding along, and they actually happened to have noticed something that one of the medics did not. Uh, and they literally saved someone's life. And that, I mean, I, I can't think of a more impactful way to spend the summer than uh, than saving someone's life. It, it sounds so bizarre, but it's exactly what happened. It's just amazing. And 4G Euro stands for, remind me. Four Girls Euro. Ah, there you go. So they go to Europe and Israel. Uh, last year they went to Italy and Israel. This year they're going to uh, to Prague and to uh, to Vienna and to Budapest and to Israel and uh, it's just it's a wonderful it's a little you know people love to go to Israel and that's great but this kind of spruces it up a little bit and adds a new component you're learning about the Jewish history uh, you know that took place there and you're going on to Israel afterwards to uh, you know to tour our homeland and to, to spend time there so it's, it's a very special those two programs were started last summer and we're very excited uh, to see how they develop in the second summer David Cutler's with us you need to know the website summer.ncsy.org you need the email for the discount code summer at ncsy.org summer at ncsy.org now um, you you wrote here on, on on the material that we literally are hovering at 40 percent of the kids in the NCSY summer programs, being from public school, has that number ever gotten close to 40 before? It started, it started to creep up over the last couple of years. We're very proud of the fact that we're, we're diverse. And we, so we have our kids on Kolel and Machlalet and, and our GIVE program and our Chesed and so on and so forth. But we, we really have a program called TJJ, the Ann Samson Jerusalem Journey, yep. uh, which this summer will, God willing, have approximately 12 buses, maybe even 13. Uh, then on top of that, they have two more buses for specialty going to Poland and and Israel advocacy, also TGJ ambassadors and ambassadors Poland. Uh, so they're just they're close to 700 kids or so, if not more, that'll be with us this summer from public school and from from all over the world. We're actually getting kids now from London for this program. Wow. Uh, we're getting kids really from Canada and from from all over the United States, and they're all divided ge- geographically. And again, they're obviously all you know spending time together at Yoma and CSY and other locations. By the way, I uh, <laughs> I know we say this about every program, and it, and it deserves to be said about every program. But on the TJJ side, my gosh, your staff 
the people you hire to lead all of these buses and all these groups, just amazing. Some, some great, great educators in that group. They really are. The, the, really, the truth is, you know, people like to give credit where, where maybe it's not due all the time to myself or whoever. The, 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 sex, the success in NCSY Summer is the, is the educators and the leaders of each yeah. of these programs, including Kola Makhlaki, but on these public school buses where you're literally taking kids who are experiencing their first Shabbos and their first exposure to Israel and Kashrus and everything that goes into a summer program. Uh, and, and for four weeks, and, and they come out of it, the mamas kids really change their lives. And there are kids who really who switch to yeshiva, who end up spending their gap year in Israel. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very beautiful experience to see. And what they gain in four weeks in Israel, you, you can't compare it. It's really it, awesome. it is amazing. And uh, you're also going to include, uh, as, as we've discussed, <coughs> excuse me, some of the programs that are part of the domestic side, the U.S. side of the NCSY summer programs include Camp Sports in Baltimore for Boys, Camp or Performing Arts Program for Girls. Both of these are already veteran programs. They really are, and it, it's one of the things that we're very proud of, again, is our diversity. So not everyone goes to Israel, and some people are a little bit younger or want to stay, you know, stay, you know, stay, stay domestic. So we have a wonderful program for, for four weeks in Baltimore called Camp Sports where guys are playing sports, and they're, and they're learning in the morning, learning at night, going to wonderful trips. They go to an Orioles game. They go to the minor league baseball game. They go, all, they go, to, they go to Hershey Park, and they have wonderful really, – it's really kind of like a four-week guys' night out in Baltimore, in the, in the Baltimore Jewish community. There's, there's great food there, and they're having all – they, they raffle off steaks at Mishmar <laughs> on Thursday night, and they have these, these, these humongous grilled barbecues. It's really awesome. And then our Camp Maor program is a, is, a, is a performing arts program. The girls don't necessarily – in today's day and age, get a chance to express themselves and to really to sing and to dance, and and they really spend a, a four a four week program just for girls, and they have a final performance where all the parents come and they, and they see them, and it's a real it's a real play with real you know real scenery and real choreography. We have off Broadway <laughs> professionals that are actually choreographing and really working with us for for the dancing and for the videos. It's, it's pretty awesome. Whole thing is amazing. Why do I have two dates on my material for Yom NCSY? Uh, I was playing around. I was showing you that we already have one for 2020. Also. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that's for 2020. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. You're working on a lot of stuff. It's incredible. And everybody out there, remember, Give East Now exists. It's a chesed program for girls in 7th and 8th grades. Would that be well, – let's do the ages. The youngest that you'll encounter this summer would be 7th grade or even younger than that? So we actually know Cam Maor will actually start for, for a girl who wants to really start to, you know, performing arts and wants to sing and dance. It already starts for a girl after 4th grade. Ah, very cool. Uh, the, the, then the Give West program, the Give East program, rather, is proposed 7th and 8th grade girls. Right. And then for boy, on the boys' side, uh, we have a, a program that starts camp sports is post eighth grade. All right, and obviously the high school's the bulk of it, and uh, those who are going to Israel, many of them are sophomores, juniors, and seniors in uh, in yeshiva high schools and other programs around the country, public school, etc. So everyone should check those out. All right, everybody, it happened Monday while we were in Israel. NCSY summer opened up its applications, registration, etc. Go to the website summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. Use the email address. To get a special discount code, why not save some money? Summer at NCSY.org. Summer at NCSY.org. David Cutler, anything you'd like to add? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, sure. very, uh, it's always great talking to you. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, second of all, we're looking forward to you being at Yom NCSY again this year. We're, uh, we're very show. excited. We're in the middle of booking our talent, so we're not going <laughs> to. We'll reveal later on in the year who that's going to be. Okay. Uh, but people should check out our website. There's really something for everyone. And the thing that separates us from, <laughs> I'd say, from other programs is that we're, we're all about inspiring and education. And, uh, and really, people walk away from our programs. The, the kids walk away different people. And, and that's, no, no one has a higher uh, supervisory ratio of staff to kids. And the people on, on our programs are top, 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 mechanchem. 
uh, Russia Yeshiva in YU and Russia Yeshiva in, in Landers and, and really just beautiful people from uh, from all over the world and it's a wonderful impactful experience and people should check us out and join us for a summer it'll be great alright by the way on the NSN app somebody has pointed out uh, a big shout out to the best boss ever from those of us at 11 Broadway I think they mean you frankly uh, probably not but I appreciate that uh, <laughs> David Cutler reminds you that the website to check out about all of this is summer .ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. You want a discount code? No problem. Email summer at ncsy.org, summer at ncsy.org. David, always a pleasure. Continued Hatzlachan. Thanks so much for joining us. Nachum, have a wonderful day. Welcome back. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. There he is, David Cutler, NCSY Summer Programs. More coming up at a quarter after 8 o'clock. It's JM in the AM.
past that I face. I know that you place them in my life to reach greater heights. Reach Thank 
Thursday morning broadcast. It's amazing. We get back from Israel. So our first conversation uh, after the incredible lineup we had over the last three days in Jerusalem, our first conversation is with uh, Professor Barzell, who's, of course, at Bar Ilan in Israel. Our second conversation was David Cutler, who leads some of the most amazing summer NCSY programs in Israel. And now, with our friends from Fairway on the line, we get to discuss another important aspect of Israel. And in this case, we get to do something about it in these parts. Richard Rosenberg is with us live via telephone. He is the executive director of Fresh Foods for Fairway, all the fairways. And there are a lot of cool fairways out there, I can tell you that much. And uh, they promote uh, food and, uh, and drink from a variety of countries each and every year. And now, starting tomorrow, on the 12th of October, they will be featuring food, wine, and beer from Israel. How do you like that? Richard Rosenberg, welcome to JM in the AM. Pleasure to be here. I appreciate that. Uh, first of all, a, a general statement. I just got to tell you, we have so many Fairway fans in this audience. You probably know that, right, that our community loves oh, yeah. Fairway. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I had the honor of uh, traveling to Israel three weeks ago to <laughs> meet with all the various vendors and producers and artisans that we're featuring starting tomorrow. And uh, it was funny how many 
said to me, oh, I grew up across the street from your 74th Street and Broadway store. That's or, right. I remember when I was used to shop there when I was living in New York. So, uh, yes, it's, 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 it's a close connection. And as I said in the intro, although, frankly, each store is pretty cool, we, the, the one nearest to us, I believe, is the one at 30th and 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's, that, right. that, that's a pretty cool store. But the one in Red Hook is off the charts. If you talk about a location and the view and the, the possibility of just going and enjoying what it all looks like over there, it's amazing. That's pretty amazing, and in fact, uh, we kicked off uh, the Israeli promotion. I invited all of the vendors uh, to come down there and meet all of our store managers and all of our department managers so they can taste and meet all of the different products, and I purposely picked that store because we're (laughs) right on the banks of the Hudson, and when you step out with a cup of coffee and sit in our cafe, you're staring at the Statue of Liberty on one side and the Empire State Building on the other, and it's, as you said, it's quite glorious. Yeah, I was going to say, t- two landmarks, Statue of Liberty and Fairway, opposite each other. <laughs> Simple as that. Richard Rosenberg's with us, Executive Director of Fresh Foods at Fairway Markets. All right, so as you told me off the air, every year you guys choose countries, right? You choose areas of the world uh, to feature their food and wine and beer from, correct? Correct, and uh, last year we, we, we did a unprecedented first-time deal with Switzerland, who never really had uh, the chance to work like that. So yes, we did Switzerland, and uh, I thought, being a New York Jew, born and raised in Washington Heights, (laughs) and, uh, you know, uh, growing up here, that, and we're actually working for Fairway in 1982, which was, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, uh, I thought, what a perfect uh, uh, possibility, because, you know, Fairway it was founded by a Jewish family, right. and the the overtures that Fairway has made through the years to the Jewish community, you know, is immense. In fact, part of my position is running, you know, Fairway might be the only uh, multiple supermarket chain that actually runs and operates a catering operation that's fully kosher. Right. We have a supervised meat kitchen in, in our Paramus store and a, you know, supervised uh, uh, dairy kitchen in our Westbury store in Long Island. You know, with Meshkigas that are in there, and Man. we, you know, we produce catering for the kosher community as well as full catering for non-kosher as well. So, I thought, what a great idea, and uh, it came to fruition. Very cool. Uh, I was in that. Uh, you said Westbury, right? Isn't you just, yeah. I was in that yes. Westbury store recently. Really beautiful, incredible. Yes. Look, like I said, every one of your stores is something to marvel at. All right, um, you said the food, the wine, and the beer of Israel is going to be featured starting tomorrow. I hate to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you like the way this question sounds, but I got to <laughs> ask it on behalf of our listeners. Are we talking about discounts, specials? Like, well, will Israeli items be more affordable to people over the next couple of weeks? So uh, we purposely, when we do these um, promotions, we we price things to be reasonable, cool, uh, uh, and not necessarily, uh, and they're being promoted. Not necessarily will it be, you know, like we run deals and sales every week. These are just priced to be competitive. Right, eighty percent of the product that we're bringing in, even more maybe, is first time in the U.S. So it will give a chance for a lot of people to taste things in Israel and. Great opportunity for the smaller producers to be able to, you know, have their product on the shelves to hundreds of thousands of people who cross our threshold every day to shop. So, and will uh, it, when people cross that threshold tomorrow, will it be obvious where the Israeli stuff is? Yes. Yeah, so um, we have features all over the all over the store. We have a magazine that's phenomenal that will be available as you enter the store, or most certainly at the cashier. Uh, counters there when you check out. It's it's a beautiful 
25-page booklet that we produce solely on this promotion. Uh, every page features a, an Israeli uh, producer and the products that they're offering. And then in the store, we've created special signage that uh, is in the colors of uh, Israel blue and white. Nice. And uh, will uh, stand out and show our shoppers uh, what items are being promoted, as well as other Israeli items that have always been in the um, and have been in the store. And this, you know, I might add, is both kosher and non-kosher. This right. is not a kosher promotion. This Correct. Is a, this is a celebration of the food, wine, drink. And even we have uh, HBC, which is health and body care. We have shampoos and lotions also from Israel that were made, that we're featuring, uh, that are both kosher and non-kosher. And right. what I'm very excited to add is that they are producers that are Israeli Arabs as well as that we're featuring uh, that was made in a co-op uh, that's produced between uh, Israeli Arabs and Israeli Jews together, which I thought was phenomenal. But for the benefit, uh, all for- women owned. So, so there's a lot of stories behind a lot of these products and some great stuff. For the benefit of our listeners, I mean, obviously we recommend they check, as you would, of course, but for the benefit of our listeners, there'll be a lot of kosher stuff in these categories. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. like, oh, you, yeah. like you so, said, it won't all be kosher, but there'll be a lot to choose from in I these categories. I would say, frankly, so. uh, just by virtue of being made in Israel, uh, most of it is. But I think what I meant by that more is that I, I, want, I want, this is open for everybody. Yeah, of course. Jewish, non-Jewish, yeah. to shop and enjoy. Yeah, we get that. You know, hey, yeah, yeah. look. So we, you I, but, know, but, but yes, there's a lot of kosher. We've always had a tremendous amount of kosher products. From our standpoint, there's almost nothing better one can do in a supermarket than buy Israeli products. So just, just from that angle, we Absolutely. feel you're, you're doing an amazing thing. So I, I know you're not doing it to, to promote, you know, but buying Israel. Obviously, you feature other countries as well during these promotions. But for us, it's such a big bonus. So for these yeah. the listeners you're speaking to right now, it's really a very important thing. This goes to... Till the 1st of November, and that means that that booklet you described and all these specials, it'll all be available till the end of the month, right? Until November the 1st. Yes, and actually longer. The, it, the, the promotion and the heightened awareness of this promotion is for three weeks, but we, we, promised, uh, we promised all of the Israeli uh, producers that we spoke to that part of the deal with them joining us on this promotion is that we would keep all the products for six months. Ah, good. Cool. Uh, so, and then we then, you know, as businessmen, uh, you know, there are some, you know, sales figures and right. other things that come into effect. And then we will analyze all of our data and see. And, you know, much like, you know, in baseball, you know, someone who hits the ball three out of ten times right. uh, goes to the Hall of Fame. You right. know, there will be attrition, but... Uh, many, many products will stay on the shelves, and that's up to our shoppers to make those decisions for us. Uh, and uh, we hope that we will have many more promotions with many of these producers as well. Will uh, Hava Nagila be playing on the speakers of the uh, Israeli <laughs> section? Or, yeah, we haven't implemented that Very yet. Funny. Like, uh, you know what? Uh, or, or some good uh, clarinet music, right? Exactly. Nice so, uh, klezmer music, right? <laughs> there you go. I see you're with the program, that's for sure. I am. Richard I am. Rosenberg is Executive Director of Fresh Foods at Fairway. All the fairways. How many fairways are there in New York and New Jersey? Fifteen. There are fifteen in uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Long Island. All right, so all fifteen will be featuring Israeli products between now and the 1st of November. And, of course, as Richard said, uh, many of them will be featured or at least uh, be available uh, for the next half a year at least at uh, all the fairway locations. Richard, thanks so, mu- thanks so much for this. And I, I personally look forward to going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'll go to the one on 2nd and 30th. I don't know if I'll go to the one in Red Hook. I don't know if I'll go to the Upper West Side. But I have a feeling I'll go to at least one of them in the next couple of weeks. 
Absolutely, I hope so, and I hope I hope all your visitors come in. I'm usually a lot of times I'm in the store. Oh, cool. If you see me, I hope you'll come by and say hi. Thank you, Richard, and call like a vote, as we say. Mazel tov on this beautiful <laughs> <Mazel> promotion. <laughs> Mazel tov is right. There you go. Buy Israeli products, everybody, of your chance, starting tomorrow at Fairway Thursday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM.
get bit me like a thing. Ich hab to wow, I'll cut your hair. Oh, but it's what feel in my head. I got to now see you there. Babo, get bit me like a thing, a thing. Ich hab to wow, I'll cut your hair. Oh, but it's what feel in my head. I got to now see you Brit me like vate, vate. Be shot to vow and cut your hair. Oh, Bob, it's what we need, my head. I have to now see you there. Bob, okay, Brit me like vate. Be shot to vow and cut your hair. Oh, Bob, it's what we need, my head. I have to now see you
Slomo Cats. Thursday morning. Oh, odd before that with Tzemach Tzadik, brand new from the album Meshat Tova. Eighth day had Rak Smachot, and of course Yoni Z with Ode to open things up with that one here at JM in the AM. Full day coming. Full day coming up. Wow. Um, it'll be uh, Charlie Harari next with Unlocking Greatness. Charlie takes a look at taking the inspiration of the holidays into the winter. Spin class with Michael Fragan. A look at the latest political news at 930. 
Jew in the City Speaks. Allison hosts the Zoo Rabbi, Rabbi Natan Slifkin, at 10 o'clock right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And that's live with Miriam Alwalek. Miriam did an amazing interview this week in Jerusalem with Jewish basketball star Tamir Goodman. You'll hear all of it at 10.30 this morning on That's Life. The live lunch will be recorded from Israel. That'll be on 11 until 1. And Throwback Thursday, the JM Rewind Encore. And the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek tonight is brand new. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Again, it's all brand new starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight. And um, and uh, that's it. That's what you need to know about, uh, about today. A, the first Thursday of the brand new season where you have all new original material coming. You have all new Charlie Harari, all new Michael Fragan, all new Allison Josephs, all new Miriam L. Wallach, all new live lunch from Israel. It's all happening starting now. Actually, it, it, it's happening as we speak because JM and the is also at all new from our New York City studios this morning. And our thanks again to the Lieben family for hosting us in Israel over the last three days. It was an incredible and inspiring trip with a lot of wonderful guests, and I hope you had an opportunity to tune in. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Thursday here at JMNAM. Don't forget Malcolm Honline tomorrow. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us tomorrow, 7.40 Eastern Time, right here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.